Well, because of an exceptional deal that our family was offered in early 2019, we planned and paid for to take a trip to Disney with our family in the summer of 2020, and you all know how that went. But, like as has happened with, with many people, it was postponed for a, a year, and we were able to do that a couple of weeks ago. Um, when we did it, we were feeling a lot better about doing it and what's going on than we would today with the news that's going on with the Delta variant. But we did anyway, and, and things went pretty well. It was, a, it was a good vacation, although there were a few hiccups that I won't go into right now that happened just before we left. And those hiccups had me on the phone with Disney. And, and what I found on the phone with Disney for actually a couple of days is what you would come to expect to find if you know anything about Disney. Disney and Disney culture, and that is that they have a culture of radical hospitality. Now, there may be exceptions to this, and you, you may have your own stories that represent an exception to this that you could tell, but our story was in the midst of a, a hiccup that seemed like it was really going to mess up our vacation. We called Disney, and I was on the phone with Disney late one night, and I, I was asking Claudette, the Disney cast member I was talking with, and, and, and that's what they call employees there, cast members, is there any hope that this is going to work out the way we want it to, Claudette? And she said, said, Mr. Edwards, Disney has a way of finding a little extra magic for people. And I just want you to know as you go to sleep tonight that we're going to sprinkle a little extra pixie dust on this reservation and we're going to find a little bit of that magic for you. And with the context of all that was going on and the worry that we were experiencing in that moment, Claudette gave me a blessing that I won't soon forget. And this was not by accident. Now, not only did I experience this with others in, in talking with people at Disney and working with people at, at Disney, but I was supposed to. At the end of the vacation, or actually a little bit after, I was talking with a woman who has a daughter who works for Disney, and she was explaining to me the kind of training that they get when they go through what's called Disney University. And, and they go through Disney University, and they learn that when you are employed by Disney and become a cast member, whether you are working retail or managing the lines, whether you're sweeping floors or working in administration, no matter what you are doing, you are on stage. And when you're on stage, you're playing a role. And that role is supposed to be characterized by radical hospitality and generosity and grace and cheerfulness and poise. You're supposed to offer this kind of experience no matter who is in your face, whether that person is praising you or criticizing you. Whether the person confronting you is giddy with glee or frustrated with their experience, you are trained as a Disney cast member to help them move through this situation so that they can have a magical day. And that's what they say. This is the part they're supposed to play when they are on stage. But Disney also knows that you can't always be on stage. And so, in fact, Disney recognizes that in order for their cast members to continually, in a sustainable way, play this role on stage and create this kind of experience, they also need to facilitate places that are off stage. Places where their cast members can go to let their guard down, to drop the act. So they have these off stage spaces 
in places at Disney where the cast members have permission to be their full selves, where they have permission to rest, where they have permission to complain, to complain about us and the experience that we've put them through on their way to offering us a magical day. Cast members help create those experiences for us when they are on stage and they renew and revitalize their ability to do this in those places where they've given permission to be off stage, to be their true, honest, and authentic selves. And of course, we know that these kinds of off stage places in our lives are not just Disney needs, they are human needs. Because we all need spaces and places in our lives where we can go to be our honest, authentic selves, where we can bring before others all that we're going through. And I think we especially need those places and spaces right now. Because right now, many of us, maybe most of us, are living on the edge of our emotions. We're living out on the, the edge of our, our personality. And, and in this space, it can be quite challenging with all that this pandemic has done to push and pull on us with all that we're going on because of normal stress and, and abnormal stress to be our best selves, to keep up the act. And when I say keep up the act, I don't mean that in a duplicitous way, like we're pretending all the time. But, but just realizing that we're a mixed bag and, and that, that the act of being generous and loving and patient and kind to our family members and our loved ones and our colleagues and our, our friends, it's who we are, but it's also who we struggle at times to be, especially when we're under an immense amount of pressure. And so one of the things we need are spaces and places in our lives where that pressure can be diffused, can be alleviated, where, where we can be heard and understood, be honest and be ourselves before others and before God. And this is actually the kind of space that Psalms are meant to create in our lives. The Psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 130, right here at the beginning does something in broad strokes that many other Psalms do in very descriptive an explicit way. Psalm 30 is often referred to as the De Profundus, which is the Latin rendering of its opening line, out of the depths. Out of the depths I cry to you. Out of the depths this prayer is coming. Out of the deepest and darkest places in my soul, I offer these words to you, O God. In Scripture, the depths are often associated metaphorically with a kind of watery chaos. They remind us of those moments at the beginning of Genesis, at the beginning of creation, when God was hovering over the deep, when God was hovering over the darkness, when God was hovering over the watery chaos of creation. And in the midst of that chaos, God spoke light and life and order with God's powerful word. They're supposed to remind us of that moment in Exodus when the people of Israel had been in slavery crying out to God for so long. And God then answered by delivering them from their bondage through the watery chaos of the Red Sea. They're supposed to remind us of those places in our lives where the winds and the, the waves kick up, the unsettling storms that we often go through that symbolize for us anxiety, and depression, 
and struggle and, and suffering, when we find ourselves in these kinds of deep emotional, spiritual, physical pits, a pit. This is what the psalmist means when he says he's crying out to God out of the depths. The great Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann has said, and I wrote this in a recent monthly article, that the Psalms can be divided up into three categories that really reflect three broad spaces in our lives. Orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. So there are Psalms of orientation that reflect a time in life when things are going as they should, when we would expect them to go, and when God seems to be acting as we would expect God to act. We might say that the months before March of 2020 were a time of orientation for us, though we know there was still disorientation in our lives. And then there are psalms of disorientation that reflect a time in life when something that has happened, some kind of great upheaval, and it's flipped some things upside down, and things aren't making sense the way they had made sense before. And we might say that March of 2020 brought many seasons and phases of disorientation into our life. And there are also psalms of reorientation where we're, we're moving beyond the, the disorientation to a new orientation and things are starting to make sense again in a new way. And most of us have found ourselves longing for that so often over the past so many months. We're longing for that, but I say that right now we, like the author of Psalm 130, are in a season of disorientation. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, says the psalmist. Hear my voice. Listen to me, God. Where are you, God? Where is your mercy, God? In other psalms of disorientation, you'll hear the psalmist cry out in frustration before God in specific ways. You'll hear the psalmist name doubt and despair. You'll even hear an asking for vengeance or violence where the psalmist is asking God to do things to their enemies that we wouldn't think that God, this side of the revelation of Jesus and his love, would even begin to venture to do. And, and perhaps God wouldn't. But that doesn't mean that we don't need those spaces and places in our lives where we can come before God honestly and name these kinds of things. Where we can, we can open up and be off stage and just say whatever is on our heart and on our mind. And I do need to be clear about that for a second. Because I do think that some of us, many of us in our society, find some of those spaces all too often in the wrong places where we, especially in places like Twitter and, and Facebook, but, but even in other places as well, will we'll want to say whatever comes to our mind at whatever moment, no matter how mean or, or dispirited that might be. We've even seen Christians, right, in, in large numbers say things and, and do things and be mean in ways to people that in no way reflect the thoughtfulness and love of Jesus or the thoughtfulness or the fruit of God's Spirit in their lives. And so, so we, need to, we do need to be discerning about where those appropriate spaces are for us to be completely off stage. I recently heard someone offer a piece of wisdom about when it is we should offer harsh words or critical words to people in our relationships that we feel like need to be offered. And I thought it was helpful. They said that when there are those moments, we should ask ourselves, does this need to be said 
first. Secondly, does this need to be said by me? And thirdly, does this need to be said by me now? And I would, I would add to that, does this need to be said by me now and how? And I found that helpful. So I, I offer it to you as a tool for wisdom in relationships. We need to be thoughtful and caring and discerning and sensitive with our words. But we also need to have spaces where we have permission to speak freely, where we can step off stage and offer to God and others what's going on in the deepest parts of our soul. And the Psalms as a whole tell us in no uncertain terms that our relationship with God ought to be one of those spaces. You know, I've noticed over the years that sometimes when people are disrupted and disoriented and they become really upset with God, sometimes their, their relationship with God just, just completely goes silent. And they're angry with God and they'll express that anger in other spaces with other people or they might even allow it to simmer in silence, but they won't express it to God. And this makes sense. This is a very human experience. And yet, the Psalms invite us to give that to God, not in some sort of cliche, trusting kind of way, but to offer our anger and our, and, and, and our frustration to God, even about God. So what we see is, what the Bible is showing us here is that if we see it in the Psalms, we can do it in our lives, especially in our prayer lives. The, biblical, the Psalms are our biblical prayer book. The Psalms were the first prayer book and song book of the Jewish people, though the prayer book and song book that the Jewish people have used for centuries. The Psalms are the, the first prayer book of the church, the first song book of the church. The, the, the Psalms are the prayer book and the song book of Jesus. The Psalms show us that crying out to God in frustration, even about God, is worship. That's what we see in the context of the Psalms. The Psalms invite us to come to God out of the depths, from the deepest places of gratitude and despair in our lives, to offer ourselves honestly before God, and that means the full range of emotions, our whole selves. Walter Brueggemann has said that a lot of people seem to think that the church should be the happiest place in town, but instead the Psalms invite the church to be the most honest place in town. And that is so much of what so many of us need right now. Spaces and places where we can be honest and authentic. And psychologically, we even know that's helpful, that when we have spaces where we can name those things out loud that have been burdening us, even things that we've done wrong in our lives, there's something that happens when we name them out loud. It, it moves something in our brain in a way that helps bring healing into our lives. And so I hope you have spaces like that in your life. Small groups. Friends, family members, Stephen ministers, counselors, mentors, other kinds of confidants, where you have the freedom to be honestly off stage. And I hope you will also today embrace the permission that the Psalms give us to be off stage before God as well. I, I thought we might begin to experiment with what that might be like by inviting you to write your own psalm. So, if, if, you, if you have your worship guide, there, there should be an extra piece of paper in that worship guide. You may have a pencil that you can reach out and grab. And, and I don't expect you to write all of that right now, but what I wanted to do 
is offer you in this space of worship. And in a minute, Katie Joe's going to come and, and play for a few minutes and you'll have even more time to do that or she's already there. And, and I just want us to follow the framework and maybe take some notes that maybe you could use those notes later in the week to begin to write your own honest psalm from out of the depths. And here's the framework that I noticed here that I, that I thought you might follow in your creation of your own psalm. Number one, the psalmist says, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. So what is that for you? What is the context and content of your depths right now? Is it fear? Is it uncertainty? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it despair? Is it depression? Are you feeling weary like I am from these regressions with what's going on with the virus? And our, what, what, is, what is hitting you right now? Where are you? What is, what is the depths for you right now? Where are you? You might begin to, to journal in a space like this, this is, these are the emotions. This is where I am right now. Secondly, and this follows what Angie was talking with us about later earlier. What are you waiting for God to do right now? What are you hoping that God will do from the place of your depths right now? What are you longing for God to do? The psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. That is a deep, personal waiting. What is it right now that you are waiting for? Journal a little bit about that and prepare to express that to God. And then three, and finally... What is it that you believe is true about God in the midst of your waiting, no matter what happens? In many ways, Psalm 130 foreshadows the gospel. The psalmist believes that God is merciful and forgiving, that God does not keep a record of sins. The psalmist believes that God is eternally loving and always ready to offer redemption. The psalmist believes that our God is worthy of trust and hope. What is it that you believe right now about God even in the midst of your uncertainty? What is it that you believe right now about God even in the midst of your waiting, no matter what happens? Katie Joe is going to play for a few minutes before she leads us in the song of response. Just begin to journal about that. What is that place of depth for you right now? What are you longing for God to do? What do you believe about God no matter what happens? We worship together.